Amen. Lovely. Good morning, everyone. So today we are finishing up our series on Trust God. And it's quite a big topic, trusting God. Uh, it's kind of the foundation of faith. So, you know, uh, pr pretty big topic just to spend only four weeks in. But today, we're going to be looking at the question, can we trust God? Now, the answer to that question is yes. Yes, we can trust him. Great. Okay. So now that we know that, that we can trust him, uh, we can go forth and, you know, you can go to lunch and back to your, your lives and jobs and, and you can do that, right? You just go trust him that easy? Of course, it's not that easy, is it? It's not that easy. I think most of us know we should trust God, or even that we can trust him. I think a lot of us probably trust him with some things, but not everything. So you might trust him uh, with your finances, but not relationships. Or you trust him with relationships, but not your calling. Or maybe, like, calling's good, but, but there's just this sin pattern that you, you can't seem to surrender to him. It, it, it'll be different for everyone. But no one trusts God completely, 100%, all the time, every single moment of their, of their lives, with every piece of them and every piece of the world and all of that. It's, it, that's not realistic. Trust is something we continually grow in. It's something that we continually step deeper and deeper into. Now, the inability to trust God is not new. Humans have been struggling with trusting God pretty much since the beginning. All the way back in Eden, it was an issue. So that's where we're going to be camped out this morning in the book of Genesis. And some background for you. Uh, Genesis is the first book in the Bible. And it basically says that in the beginning, God made the world. And he made it really good. And he made animals and trees and plants and all this great stuff. And he created this beautiful paradise. And then he makes Adam and Eve. And he puts them in this paradise that we call Eden. And he specifically names two trees that are in this garden. He says there's a tree of life and a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, look. Look at this beautiful world I've made. You can have all of it. Be fruitful and multiply. Enjoy this with me. But just don't eat from that one tree. And so they're like, okay, cool, great, good plan, cool, cool, cool. They're living their best lives. Everything's great. In, they're in communion with God, connected fully with the Lord. Great. It's great for about a chapter. And then some stuff happens. So let's pick up and see what happens. It's uh, in Genesis 3. It'll come up on the screens as well. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? 
The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So just like that, sin enters the world. Death and disconnection from God enter the world, and humanity falls. Just like that. But it all started with a question. The serpent asks Eve, did God really say that? Did God really tell you what you couldn't do? He introduces this idea that maybe God's word isn't true. He plants a seed of doubt, not just about what God is, is saying to them, but about God's heart and his nature and his character for them. Just this one seed of doubt that maybe, maybe you can't trust God. Maybe there's a different way, a better way. And we see that doubt start to seep in pretty much immediately because we see in Eve's response, she says, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Here's the issue with that statement. That's not what God told them. We know exactly what God told them because a chapter before he says it. So going to Genesis 2, so back a bit, God says you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So firstly, Eve adds to it because she says, oh, he said we couldn't touch it, which isn't true. That's not what he says at all. There's a whole other thing we could get into with that. But she also omits the word any. And this is really significant because what God had actually said to them is you can have any tree in here except that one. Other translations say every. So you can have any and everything. I have all of this for you. Just not that one tree. Because if you eat from that one tree, you're going to die. And I love you. And I want to protect you. So please don't eat from that tree. But she omits that completely. She diminishes God's word to them. She downplays God's kindness and his generosity. She downplays everything he is for them, everything he has for them. The second thing the serpent does is he says, you're not going to die if you eat that, which is an outright lie. We know that's exactly what God said was going to happen. But he says, no, no, you're not going to die. 
you're going to be like God. That's why God doesn't want you to eat from that tree, because he knows that if you do, you'll be like him. Here's the issue with that statement. Eve is already like God. Adam and Eve are made in the likeness of God. All human beings, including us, we are made in the image of the Lord. So we are already like God. We don't need to eat a fruit or do anything. It's just how he makes us. And what's more is that God wants us to be like him. That's what discipleship is. It's following him. It's learning his ways. It's emulating him. So temptation isn't to be like God because they already are like him. No, the serpent is saying, oh, you can be God. You can know everything God knows. You can decide what's good and evil the way he does. You can be God. And Adam and Eve look at this and they say, yes, we want that fruit. We're not going to wait around for God to give us his best. No, he's obviously holding out on us. No, we know what we want. We want that fruit. We want to be our own masters. We want to be our own gods. And so they take it and they eat. But we do the same thing today. We decide, oh, I want that. I want, I want that, that path, that person, that, that lifestyle, whatever it might be. And we say, yes, I'm going to get that. I'm not, I don't need to rely on God to, to give me that. No, I can do this myself. I know the better way. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be my own God. I'm in control of my life. When we do that, when Adam and Eve did that, when we say, no, I know best. My ways are better than God's. My ways are higher than God's. That is called pride. And that's a sin. It's actually this sin that we're repeatedly told leads to our downfall. That's what scripture says in all in Proverbs, Isaiah, Second Christ. It's in a lot of places. Pride and distrust are this idea that we can be our own masters. I don't need to trust God. I got this. I'm self-sufficient. I can, can get that thing or, or do that. I don't need someone to tell me what to do. I know what's best. And the way we overcome that is recognizing who he is and who we are. He is God. I am not. He is Lord and King. Not me. He is healer and redeemer. He's the person of peace and justice. I am not. We recognize who he is and who I am. That actually he is, he is different than mankind. He is unique. He is, he is holy. Holiness is the defining characteristic of God. It's the unique quality about him that is he is completely good and completely mighty. 
He is good all the time, and he is capable all the time. That unique quality that makes him him. We aren't that. And it is this holiness, this godness, that actually shows us that we can trust him. There's a Bible teacher called Jackie Hill Perry uh, that I, I, I love, and, and she says it best. She says, if God is holy, then he cannot sin. And if he cannot sin, then he cannot sin against me. So if that's true, if it is impossible for God to sin, then it's impossible for him to sin against me. It's impossible for him to to hurt me, to lie or deceive me, to manipulate. He can't do it. It's impossible. And so that means that he's the most trustworthy one ever. I think often we put our experiences of other people onto the Lord. We think, oh, I, I can't trust him because he's, he's going to betray me. He's going to hurt me. Because that person, did I put my trust in that person and they hurt me? I, I said yes to that person and they, they broke my heart. I, I said, you know, all these, these experiences we've all had. And we project that onto God. But we need to remember that God is not like us. He is holy. He is set apart. He's always good and he's always powerful. We don't need to to be afraid. We don't need to fear that he's not going to be God. It's, It's who he is. This week, I asked pretty much everyone that came into the office, uh, how do you know you can trust God? Because trusting God's like this massive concept. And I was like, how am I going to break this down into 20 minutes? You know? and, uh, and so I asked everyone. And we came up with a pretty exhaustive list of basically everything that's ever happened in any of our lives and everything the Lord has ever done in the Bible. So, like, it was a lot. It was a big list. But it was everything from the gift of salvation to, um, you know, just these amazing stories of the way God has protected us and our families to supernatural provision. You know, the, the fact that I'm standing in front of you, there's this crazy visa journey of, of me learning to trust God, and now I'm here. Like, we talked about that. We talked about um, the fact that even when we still mess up, like, God forgives, and there's a community around us who champions us. Like, there is so much in our lives that show he is trustworthy. And I bet if you thought about it in your life, you would have examples as well. You would have stories. Remember is actually the most, uh, the most commonly used command in the Old Testament. We're repeatedly told, remember, remember, remember what God has done. And so we can look back and we can remember what he's been to us. 
But maybe you don't have of loads of stories. Maybe you're really struggling to remember. Well, guess what? We have a whole book full of it. So biblically, I mean, we see God's trustworthiness in, gosh, you, it's, it's Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt and into freedom. It's Hannah desperately crying out for a child and the Lord answering her prayer. It's Jericho's walls crumbling and the Red Sea parting and a lion's mouth being shut in a den with, with Daniel all night. It's, it's the story of a woman who was bleeding for 12 years. And she just reaches out for the hem of Jesus' robe and she's healed. It's demons fleeing at the name of Jesus and and blind eyes being opened. It's the Messiah coming as a baby, born to a virgin, living a perfect spotless life, then dying at the cross but not staying dead. How do I know he's trustworthy? Because his track record shows it. His track record is impeccable. It's unmatched. He's never met something he couldn't overcome or a battle he hasn't won. That's who he is. Jesus. He is so good and he is so great. He is good. He is great. It was his goodness and his kindness that declared freedom for the Israelites. But it's his strength that put the Egyptians down. It was the gentleness of Jesus that drew the the bleeding woman to him. But it was his might that healed her. It was the love he has for you that brought him to earth. But it was his resurrection power that conquered the grave. See, he is good, but he is mighty. He is both. He is holy, and that makes, us, makes him trustworthy. That we can trust him with everything because he is completely good and completely able. He is completely for you and he is completely able to act for you. To do what he says he's going to do. Now, of course, knowing this and walking it out are very different things. And so all week, I've been wrestling with that because I'm like, oh, man, Jesus. I don't just want to stand up here and be like, trust God, trust God, trust, you know, and just like say this and have to stamp it on whatever situation everyone's going on in your life. So, you know, it, it's, it just sounds like words. So I'm like, man, Jesus, okay, I want, to, I want to teach your people how to trust him. So I was like wrestling with that all, all week. I'm like, okay, give me like a few points. Like, what can I tell him, Jesus, you know? And it's really hard because there isn't five steps to trust Jesus. Like, I can't tell you, oh, do this and this and this. Pray this. You know, it's trust is a choice. You just have to do it. Has anyone ever done a trust fall? 
Some people, okay, yeah. If you don't know what trust fall is, basically you stand and you fall. That's it. <laughs> you, you stay as straight as you can and you just fall and you trust that someone is going to be behind you to catch you. I'll be honest, I'm not great at trust falls. <laughs> but I have done a few successful ones. But there's this moment when you do it where you just have to commit. You just have to trust and decide that, okay, I'm going to trust the person behind me is good enough and kind enough that they want to catch me and that they are able to do so before I hit the floor. There's a certain point in our lives, in the situations you're facing today, that you just have to commit. You just have to choose. Okay, you are God, I am not. So I'm going to fall. And I'm going to trust that you are good and kind and merciful and gracious enough that you want to catch me. And that you are mighty and faithful and powerful enough to do it. That's the choice. But we have to choose it. Did you ever wonder why there were two trees in the Garden of Eden? Like, the Lord mentions the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What was that second tree doing in there? Like, why would God put a tree in there that could hurt them? Because trust requires a choice. Love requires a choice. If God forced us all to love and trust him, that's not love. That's coercion. And that's not who Jesus is. He gives us free will. And he lets us make the choice. Adam and Eve had a choice. They could choose between the tree of life, the tree that is Everything God has for them, the tree of, of, of hope and salvation and healing and joy and peace and light and everything good, or the tree of knowing good and evil. Sometimes trust is not knowing. Not knowing why something happened or didn't happen not knowing why Jesus is taking so long. But choosing to trust that whatever has happened will bring me life because that's who Jesus is. Sometimes trust is letting God define what is good and what is evil. And this might be a slight tangent, but I think it needs to be said. God decides what is good and what is evil. He does, not us. God defines what is justice. God defines what sin is. We don't get to choose that. He tells us what it is. And a lot of us, and just culture in general... 
forgets that. And we have let culture or we've let our friends or we've let media or whatever it might be tell us what is good and what is evil. No. Only God gets to tell us that. He defines what good and evil is. And so trust is saying, okay, your ways are higher than mine. But I want life. I'm going to eat from the tree of life. The tree that is everything the Lord has for me. Adam and Eve had a choice. And they chose wrong. But this morning, we have a choice. And I don't want us to choose wrong. Jesus. I don't want us to choose wrong. I want to be someone. I want us to be a people that when God said, we're doing a trust fall, and God says, okay, fall, that I don't look behind and make sure he's there. I want to know because I trust him that he's good and he's mighty and he can do it.